And welcome on in to Dynasty Never Rest, a Dynasty fantasy football podcast focused on fantasy football, trades, and awesome guest stars. Today is episode number five, and I would love to introduce our incredible guest. A lot of us call him Hutch. I call him Brownie. Um, he is the host of the Young Fantasy Mind football podcast. Um, and secretly in group chats, I call him Wonderkins. Um, yeah, Ryan, right. Ryan on the office is, uh, you know, an executive before his time. I feel like uh, Brownie has that same energy. So welcome to the show. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. I love these nicknames. <laughs> I've been loving these nicknames that you've had for me over the over this past year. It's been so fun. But yeah, I'm so excited to be here to talk some football with you. Yeah, absolutely. It has been, man, a crazy last three, four weeks. Um, so many. Like, this is one of the biggest off-seasons, most craziest off-seasons we've ever seen. Yeah, and, and not in just terms of NFL off-seasons, but, like, I feel like this is one of the biggest off-seasons of any sport in the it's crazy. Yeah, it's just been absolutely crazy. And so we're going to get right into it. Um, Hutch, as you can see, is an Eagles fan. He's got that nice big old Eagles banner back yeah. there. So, so we're going to start talking a little Eagles, and then we'll break down some of the biggest moves in free agency and um, some of the trades that um, have just kind of shocked the world. And so um, – who have the Eagles signed that you you have liked that they've grabbed in free agency? I mean, there's really the Eagles haven't made a ton of moves in free agency. Mm -mm. But really, the one big one is apps. It's got to be Hassan uh, with uh, oh sorry with Hassan Riddick. I mean, three year, forty five million dollar deal. I mean, he's had twenty three and a half sacks in the past two seasons with this, which is fifth most across the entire NFL in that span. And the Eagles this past season were a bottom three team in sacks. I mean, Fletcher Cox not really making a huge impact. I think he only had like three and a half sacks this past year, right? Like he was just not a huge impact player. Brandon uh -huh. Graham was hurt a lot of the year. He is also getting much, much older. So they need to bring in somebody that can pass rush. And Hassan Riddick is absolutely someone that can do that on the outside. And I also like bringing back Boston Scott. I really like Boston Scott. I think I... Watching him play, I think he's just really explosive. I think he's really – I think he is a very talented back. I don't know if he deserves a workhorse role. I don't think he's built for that. But I feel like, you know, out of the – like a running back out of the pass uh, – sorry, receiver out of the backfield, catching passes, getting some rush attempts, and maybe hitting a few nice big runs for us as uh, – for the Eagles. I really, really like bringing back Boston Scott. But those are the main two that I really like. I mean, they just haven't made any humongous. Like, they haven't traded for Tyree Kill. They didn't, like, you know, trade for Devontae Adams. They didn't do anything crazy like that. So there's not too many huge moves that I'm excited about here. But those are really the main two that I really liked. Yeah. Uh, I would say Redick. I've talked about Redick on the show a couple of times. He's one of just my favorite moves in free agency this year. Yeah, he's just... one of the – that deal, too. I feel like they got a cheaper deal there. Yeah. Um, I – I feel like it's one of the better deals that's happened in free agency. Reddick, as yeah. you said, has been a beast at pass rushing, and and it was a huge need for the Eagles. So to get a guy like that, 
for what I consider to be under the cost. Like him versus Vaughn Miller, their contracts are so much different. And Hassan isn't elite, but he's just below elite. And 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 he his contract is so much cheaper. And so um, yeah. I really like that signing for them. Um, is there anyone in free agency that's still out there that you would like to see the Eagles pursue? Um, it looks like uh, I don't I haven't seen any updates on him, but it looks like Anthony Barr is going to be leaving the Vikings. Uh, he's a free agent, like, right? He's yeah. a free agent, right? He's going to be gone. And with Hassan Rick likely to play defensive end, Anthony Barr would be a great addition to their linebacking core, which is really struggling right now. Yes. I mean, they just. I don't know if they they just don't just they just don't seem to care about linebacker, but I would love to see them go after it. Get Anthony Barr. I feel like he'd just be a nice addition to this Eagles defense and their linebacking core, which is something they really really need. So yeah. I would like to see go after Anthony Barr. And honestly, if they're really just done with Sanders, if they're really that done, I would not mind them getting Melvin Gordon. I really yeah. would. Melvin Gordon is like last year. I mean, he looks great. He honestly looked really, really good. I feel like him not being signed yet is a really big problem because I feel like he's being very underrated right now. He is 28 years old. He's not going to last for much longer. But this past year, he looked great, and he looks close to as good as Javante Williams when they were side-to-side on the field. And I really would like what he was doing. If The Eagles are really done with Sanders, and they do not want to use him anymore, which I personally would be against. I think Sanders is a talented back. I feel like he doesn't – I feel like he just can't handle the workhorse role. I feel like he's just not built for that. But I feel like if they're really, really done, they need somebody else, and Melvin Gordon would be a great back to add. Yeah, I think Melvin Gordon he, is super underappreciated right now. Really? Um, he Especially had, like Mateo's fantasy truthers, which I'm one of them, but uh, like people expect him to be gone, and he's still not gone. Yeah. Like he's, still, uh, he's still, I mean, technically right now he is a free agent, so he's not really on a, another team, but there have been a lot of reports saying they want to bring Gordon back. Yeah, and so if he doesn't find the money somewhere else, I think they will bring him back. But he's he was fantastic last year. Like I, I didn't, I wasn't sure if he still had it in him. And he came out there and, like you said, ran right beside Javante, ran just as good as Javante. Um, and the fact that he hasn't been signed, but I. I really hope that Miles Sanders gets gets a good chance this year. Like on all his so. metrics last season, he was pretty good. He just didn't find his way into the end zone. So us as fantasy analysts, um, it was tough to you know throw him into your starting lineup because he was never oh, yeah. in the end zone. But he's never in the end zone. And watching you know as an Eagles fan, I'm watching every Eagles game. Uh huh. Every time the Eagles got like Miles Sanders be on a roll, right? Getting a few carries, five yards, five yards, eight yards, nine yards. Like he'd be on a roll. Once they get inside the 10, inside the five, it'd be Kenneth Gainwell. Yeah. The smaller backs in there and they would score the touchdown. I'd be like, I mean, come on. I mean, like Miles Sanders barely got any opportunities inside the five. Honestly, watching as an Eagles fan, it looks like he barely got any opportunities. And the ones he did get, he definitely did not take advantage because he just got stuffed at the at the line but it was really it was really really sad to see miles sanders score no touchdowns so the eagles are loaded up on first round picks this season (laughs) (laughs) 
Raid. Oh, that win streak is looking so good right now. It it really is. So, with that being said, who are some of the guys that you're you're hoping the Eagles target? Um, we've named that there's definitely a big linebacker hole, and so is that one of the positions you're looking to fill? Yeah, I would really like. Uh, I really really like Nakobe uh, Nakobe Dean at Georgia. Okay. Yeah, I really like him. I think he'd be a nice addition at linebacker. He's just very athletic. He can play at multiple different spots on the field. He can play a lot of different spots. He'd just be a very versatile asset for this defense. And I feel like he could just just be the center of this a big part of this defense all over the place. And I feel like he'd be really, really nice addition to the linebacker. I really like, I mean, I love Devonta Smith. I really do. I love Dallas Goddard. Mm-hmm. But you can't go into the season with those two guys as your only receivers. I mean, you can't have Jalen Rager as your second wide receiver. Quez Watkins, <laughs> I like him. He is not a second wide receiver in the NFL. You need to bring in somebody else. I would really love Drake London. Oh, yeah. Eagle. And not for his fantasy value, but I feel like he'd just be a great big body wide receiver for her, to help out Hurts, especially in his downfield game. Like Hurts just, he looked horrifically bad throwing the ball down the field last year. He made a couple plays down the field, but most of the time it was like, what planet were you throwing that ball to? Like, what was that? And I feel like Drake London, he has a very big catch radius. He's a bigger body. He's a big frame. And he's really athletic uh-huh. for his size. Like, he's a very athletic wide receiver. And I would love to see him in Philly. I think it would be crappy for his fantasy value. I really <laughs> think it will. Because I think Drake London can be a number one receiver in an offense. But as an Eagles fan, I think him in Philly would be very, very interesting to help out develop Jalen Hurts. And then one more I want to look at, you know, Jason Kelsey's not going to last forever. Like, yeah. he's come back this year, but he's not lasting forever. I really like Kenyon Green of uh, Texas okay. A&M. And with Landon Dickerson looking like he may replace Kelsey at center. Like, he actually played some snaps at center. He actually looked pretty solid. This would give Green the opportunity to move to guard and replace Dickerson. And I feel like he'd be great in that role. So I would really like them to invest a little bit more than offensive line. And then one more I really like is uh, I really like Traylon. I love Traylon Burks. Mm-hmm. I, I like him a lot. He is a – I feel like if they did not believe Devonta Smith to be the number one receiver of the team, Traylon Burks could absolutely come in and take that over. I I just – I also am a huge, huge fan of Chris Olave. Yep. I'm a big fan of him right now. It'd be weird, though, because Chris Olave and Devonta Smith are both kind of smaller wide receivers. Yeah. It would be a bit weird not having that bigger body receiver like a Burks or a Drake London. But – I would love Chris Olave. I think he's just such an amazing talent. Yeah, yeah, definitely some some good pieces of talent. Now, now you have these guys lined up, and you want Howie to target them. Is that your expectation? Because um, Howie sometimes makes some decisions that are not for in the best interest of the team from an outside standpoint. So. <laughs> do you think that Howie's going to go wide receiver, linebacker, offensive line in in this first round, or is he going to go like draft Brees Hall in the first round or something there, like that? Brees Hall, that would be. I love Brees Hall. I'm a huge fan <laughs> of him. Like he is like my my guy at this draft. But uh, uh-huh. that would be that would be awful. I would oh, absolutely. Do. That's why. That's I why I said it. it because it's a running back in the first round, which. Uh-huh. You don't do yeah. right max in the first round of the NFL draft. You just really don't do. And especially like 
you have Miles Sanders. You have these guys that you can rely on. I mean, they were one of the most productive run offenses last year with those guys in the backfield. I mean, they can do it. They don't need Brees Hall. So Brees Hall would be very frustrating, but I feel like I could see them doing it. I really do. They don't trust Sanders at all. They're, there's no chance they're going linebacker. There's just no way. The Eagles don't – like, they. Howie just doesn't care. Like, they don't care about linebackers. They really don't. They don't care about linebackers. They don't care about drafting. They don't care about the position. And it's really frustrating. I could see them bundling two of these picks or even three to trade up to the, to a top 10 pick and draft a quarterback with either Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis. Oh, don't say that. I love I, Hurts. No, I, I think that's a re- very realistic outcome. I mean, Jalen Hurts was so disappointing this year. He was pretty frustrating to watch, honestly. Like, I, like I but, was wanted to back him up all season long, and he was so frustrating. But can you really say that the Eagles get to the playoffs without Jalen Hurts? Well, I mean, if you put like one of their backups in there, no, they would not make the playoffs. But, There's no chance. But I even even think if you would have put Carson Wentz in there, they would not have made the playoffs. No chance. No, Carson Wentz would not have made them the playoffs. No way. With the mental state he's in right now, there's no chance they would have made the playoffs. And the thing is, like, a lot of people in the locker room, they love Jalen. Like, Jalen Hurts is is uh, stepping up and is an amazing, uh, amazing leader. He's very confident. Like, when you see him on the field, he has one emotion. And it's, like, straight, like, a, like he has no emotions when he's yeah, on the field. He's, he is not. Yeah, he's just motivated. He's Yeah, he's motivated. Yeah. He's self-motivated. He's a very good leader. And a lot of the people, a lot of the players in the locker room love that about him. So I want to see Jalen Hurts develop. I want to see them draft a receiver, but I really, I really could see them uh, trading two or three of those picks to the top ten and drafting a quarterback because I really think that there could be two top six picks to quarterback in this draft. I think Detroit gets Malik Willis at two, and I think the Panthers, if they don't trade around, they get pick at a six. So I feel like the Eagles would have to bump, might have to bundle three picks to get to the top five to be able to take a quarterback, and that would just be. Oh my god! I'd be, I would, I would like, because I'm gonna be on a live stream uh-huh. on that and that moment of the draft. Uh, actually, no, I'm planning to be on a live stream at picks 15, 16, and 19. But okay. if I was on a live stream there, that'd be a mess. I'd be an absolute mess. <laughs> like I don't really freak out at sports very often. I don't get too emotional. Uh-huh. But man, if I saw the Eagles trade like two or three of their first round picks to go into the top ten and pick a quarterback, I, I, I don't know what I would do. I would really lose it. Yeah, I I think if they hit on their first four picks in the draft, they're going to be they a, have a playoff team yeah. in the NFC. Like oh, 100%. It's the <laughs> NFC too. Like yeah, it's the that's NFC. That's what I'm too. saying. <laughs> like it's so funny if you look at like the top 6, like if you look at the top 5 quarterbacks in the NFC and top 5 quarterbacks in the AFC, it's like ridiculous. Yeah, like Taylor Hurts almost looks like a top five quarterback in the NFC. It, he almost it's does. ridiculous. He almost is. Like I was seeing some rankings. I was like most rankings for the NFC quarterbacks. Like Hurts is at five or six in most rankings. Her <laughs> yeah. cousins at like five or four or five. Like uh-huh. it's crazy at this point. Like yeah. how bad the NFC quarterbacks look compared to the AFC. Yeah, it is. Uh, everyone is flocking to the AFC, and you know once Brady officially tires at fifty-two years old. Um, then, <laughs> then the NFC will just be even worse. And, um, and Aaron Rodgers too. Like yeah. he's, very, he's not going to live forever. No. And Russell Wilson just left and went to Denver. Like, yeah, it's, uh, at, as a Bears fan, I like the chance that I can make, we have the potential to make the playoffs, even though I love we're not, a, 
How do you feel about Fields? Oh, I love Fields. I think that yeah. he was my favorite quarterback coming into that class. He was my yeah. 101. I think that they need to surround him um, a little more, just kind of like we talked about with Hertz a little. I think they need a X wide receiver. And they need somebody who's a possession wide receiver who's going to yeah, come right. down with the ball because Fields' expertise is not accuracy. And so if they can get a guy who can just go up and get the ball, that's going to be great. An, a great addition to having Mooney and Komet. Um, and I would love to see them go get Jarvis Landry to have a short area too. target guy um, just to to give him some nice easy throws to cross. I really wish they went after Juju. That would have been I, great. I, I think they did talk to him. But they um, did, yeah. They, there were reports being interested in him, but I would have loved to see them actually get him. Yeah, absolutely. Him. But I, I think that Jarvis Landry is is just a cheaper version of Juju, and so if they could still land uh, him, Jarvis wants twenty million per year, <laughs> and they just how much did they give Juju? They give Marquez Valles Scanling more money per year, right? Yeah, Juju is three point yeah. five mil a year or on a one year deal. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. I think that's the guaranteed money. I think they signed. I think there's little more to be had there with. Yes, there's uh, incentives but, to six point five million. I think. Yeah, but that's ridiculous. That's yeah. so cheap. That's yeah. so cheap. <laughs> but since we're talking about free agency, why don't we just get into the free insanity? Is what I'm calling it because it's been crazy. Yeah. So first, we're gonna kind of just. Normally, we don't see trades like this. In the last couple of years, they've been more relevant, like more likely to happen. But over, you know, years and years before that, a a trade like this never happened unless if we talk about like the Herschel Walker trade back in the 1970s to where um, the Cowboys gave, I think, eight draft picks to get Herschel Walker. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. And so it's just been a crazy off season. So we're just going to kind of go in chronological order, break down some of the yeah. fantasy analysis that comes with the various trades. And then depending on how much time we have, we'll, we'll look at some of the bigger free agency signings um, after we break down these trades. So first awesome. one here is the commander's trade for Carson Wentz. Um, I think it's the best quarterback that Terry McLaurin's ever played with, which is, yeah, I'd have to agree, which is super sad, but it's not like Carson Wentz. I feel like this is his last year as a starter. I think this is actually Carson Wentz's last year as a starter. Yeah, that, that very well could be, um, the commanders took a big chance on once sending, almost what the Colts did last year. Um, yeah. And they're trying the same exact experiment. Like, I don't know what they're hoping to get from once, but. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like they just see him as a bridge quarterback. And I think, honestly, that they're going to be a real contender to get one of the uh, uh, less, like one of the lesser big name quarterbacks in this draft, like Sam Howell or Desmond Ritter. Or even Matt Corral, I feel like they're going to be in contention for one of those names, and I think they're going to pick one, let him sit behind Wentz, and then the problem is with that, Wentz is going to get super pissed about <laughs> drafting quarterback, and then he's going to 
he's going to fluster. He's going to go insane. And it's going to be a huge, absolute, like, mess. It's going to be a disaster. So in terms of fantasy value, um, how does this affect the assets there? Um, is it good for Antonio Gibson? Is it good for Terry McLaurin? Is it good for Logan Thomas? Those are kind of probably the three biggest assets here. Yeah, it is a positive. It is a totally a positive for them because, I mean, Taylor Heineke and, you know, Alex Smith were not those guys for them. But Carson Wentz is going to play better than those guys. But it's not going to move the needle for Terry McLaurin or Antonio Gibson. Like, I don't see... Gibson as a top 10 back. I don't see McLaurin as a top 10 wide receiver. Even if McKissick was gone, I don't think I'd rank McLaurin. I mean, Antonio Gibson's like a top eight back, like some people would. Like, I just don't see Carson Wentz being that quarterback that can just take them to the next level. So McLaurin, I see as like a wide, a lower wide receiver too. And Gibson, I see as a very low RB1, higher RB2. And the biggest beneficiary, though, I see is Logan Thomas. I, I mean, Carson Wentz is a player that loves to lean on tight ends. I mean, he did it in Philly for a while. And with Indianapolis, he didn't have much to lean on, but he leaned on a pretty big body receiver in Michael Pittman. And I mean, Logan uh-huh. Thomas has showed when he's on the field. I mean, this past year, he was averaging over 10 points per game in PPR, which for a tight end is like the best tight end all in, in <laughs> all of football. Like tight end position sucks. So, Oh, yeah. With the limited receiving core around Terry McLaurin and around uh, Logan Thomas, I think I see Logan Thomas getting a pretty nice target share here. I think he jumps back into the top 10, even the top eight conversation, which may not mean much. But the upside there, I think there's a top five upside for Logan Thomas as a tight end. We've seen him do it before with crap quarterbacks, and we know Carson Wentz like his tight ends. Yeah. So Logan Thomas, with the injury he did this year with a lot of people, he burnt this year. I don't see him being drafted as a top 12 tight end, so he's going to be someone I'm looking at. Yeah, I think he'll be drafted around that borderline top 12 tight end, but at that point, you know, there, like, yeah. in in redraft, you're spending a route, round 10, round 9 pick on Logan Thomas. And I'd bet, by, I would bet later. And, and maybe, maybe round 9, round 10 is the earliest you're going to see him going, so he's definitely worth a shot. Um and uh, I've been trading low for him in a couple of my dynasty leagues because he is a little older. Um, but I I do just think like he will have a nice PPR floor just because Carson Wentz loves to shower the tight end with target. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that's really how I see the rest of this receiving core with Terry McLaurin and uh, with Antonio Gibson, with Terry McLaurin, with Logan Thomas. It's going to be gross because offense is not going to be great. But Carson Wentz is going to give them volume. That's just kind of how it's going to go. It's going to be gross volume. <laughs> it really that, is. It's, that, it's that's awful. all we expect from Carson Wentz, right? Gross yeah, Carson volume. Wentz. And Matt, like, it's funny, though. Like, a couple of years ago, when he had that MVP season, like, him and Deshaun Watson were considered, like, the future of the NFL. Yeah. And now we see Wentz as this, like, bridge quarterback that's never really going to be anything anymore yeah, it's really he, and, weird. he and mitchell trubisky are seen in a similar way yeah, <laughs> as well crazy yeah, that's nuts um all right let's move on to the second one um and i'm gonna tie this one in with the watson as well but amari to the browns and watson to the browns because i don't think you can really evaluate cooper's yeah, a value without talking about Deshaun Watson. And so 
Um, I really think that when Amari was initially traded and Baker was the starting quarterback there, I was like, oh, man, all my Amari shares got hit pretty hard here because we saw the Odell experiment and didn't work super well. Browns decided to try it again with Amari Cooper. Um, and so I was pretty disappointed um, in my dynasty shares. And then three weeks later, um, Deshaun Watson comes in and I'm like, okay, <laughs> this is, uh, this is really good for my Amari Cooper shares. I, I think that although I probably won't rate him as a top 12 wide receiver, um, just because he's never been that perennial wide receiver one guy, but he'll be a high end wide receiver two for me. I just think that, um, there's some concern with Watson getting a suspension. Um, but Amari Cooper, when he's had a high caliber quarterback, he performs. And so that's my expectation. Um, what about you? Yeah. When, when, when uh, Watson's on the field and he's playing well, this is going to be some, this is, this is really going to be beneficial for Amari Cooper because he gets that stud quarterback. And I honestly think if Deshaun Watson really comes back, uh, he's better than Dak Prescott. He's a better. Oh, absolutely. And the receiving core around Amari Cooper right now is pretty limited. There's enough pieces to where the offense could still be productive, but there's less pieces than the Dallas offense, which is very crowded, took a lot of targets away from Cooper. And that's why we really saw Cooper struggle last year. I mean, the Cowboys really spread the ball. Cooper is averaging under seven targets per game. And it clearly showed like the games where he wasn't scoring a touchdown, it was pretty bad. Like he was pretty horrifically bad this year. If he wasn't scoring a touchdown or if he wasn't having those, one of one of those Amari Cooper games where he just goes for 200 yards and just like dominates, which he does like a couple times a year. But there's a big question you got to ask here. Honestly, I've, I've, I've been thinking about this a lot. I've talked about this with a lot of different people and I I'm really just shook by, I'm, I'm really confused by the fact that people, when people expect Watson to come back, and be 100% Watson again, because I just don't see it. Cause if he really, cause I believe what he did, I feel like what he's accused by is he did it. I think he's guilty of what he did. If he really did that, they'll all with, with all the media, all the lawsuits, all that, like that is such a mental hit. Like that is devastating. And I don't just don't think he comes back to an NFL field and performs the way he want to, at least for the first season. So if Amari Cooper for redraft purposes, I just don't know how in I'm going to be because we should expect a suspension of at least four to six, maybe even eight games. And when Watson comes back, I just don't see him being a great quarterback for the first few games. I just don't see him being that guy for the first season. And Amari Cooper is a veteran receiver. He's 27 years old now. So in redraft and dynasty, I just don't know. I just don't see Cooper benefiting as much as some people may may see it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm kind of cooling down the hype a little bit. Yeah, I I think that's super reasonable. Like you've thought through this process, you're like, you know, Deshaun Watson hasn't played football. Yeah, it's been like two over years. a year, and by the time that he hits the field again, it'll be it'll be so long since he's been on the field, and so there there should be some real concern about that. And we know Watson is incredibly talented and and i know you're not discounting the fact that he's talented 
Um, no, but... he is he is a very talented quarterback. Like, don't get me wrong, he is a talented player. It's just the stuff he went through this offseason is going to affect him mentally. We see what mental problems can do. I mean, Carson Wentz, yeah. like Carson Wentz watching Nick Foles win a Super Bowl and just being so mentally uh, torn by that. And look what he where he is now. I mean, he's just in such a bad place right now, and it's really affecting him on the field. And I feel like us fantasy analysts sometimes really underrate that is the yeah. mental impact some of these things can have. So I just I think there is reasonable hype right now. There, the hype is reasonable. Deshaun Watson has made amazing fantasy receivers. I mean, Will Fuller was a top 10 receiver when he was playing football with Deshaun Watson. We saw, you know, we know what DeAndre Hopkins did. Right. I'd just be very cautious with him. I would just be cautious and know that there is still a lot of risk here. So are you selling both Amari Cooper and um, Deshaun Watson in Dynasty right now? If I can sell for, I mean, I've, I, I mean I'm in a mock draft right now. With a, a dynasty mock with uh with Spence and a few other guys mm-hmm. uh, at JTRB one on Twitter and a few other people. Deshaun Watson just went sixth overall in the Superflex League. If I can sell for that type of value, and he went ahead of Joe Burrow, like I got Joe Burrow picked eight. That's that, a- I got Joe Burrow picked eight in that draft. Deshaun Watson went six, uh-huh. and Tom Taylor went right at pick seven. Like it, that's just way too high. Yeah, I mean. We don't know what suspension he's going to face. I've been talking about it this entire few minutes. Like, we don't know how he's actually going to recover from this stuff. We don't know how he's going to rebound. If I could sell for that type of price, I'm going to do it all day. And Amari Cooper, people who are really hyping him, I'm looking to sell him too. So, I don't know. It really depends on the price I'm getting because there is a lot of upside. So, if you're not selling for the bag, I'd hold on. But a lot of people want him, want those two players really badly right now. Yeah. Um, I really hadn't thought about the the uh, mental toll that all of this was going to take on him. So, so yeah, I didn't think about it originally either. But I talked with like I mean, my dad uh, does fantasy football a lot, and we were talking about it. Like that, like that's a lot of things to go through uh-huh. as an NFL player with all that media in your face, all that crap. Like that's a lot. Absolutely. All right, number three, maybe the biggest shocker of them all. Russ to the Denver Broncos, Fant and Locke to Seattle. Um, This one shocked me. You know, um, a year ago at this time, the Chicago Bears offered three first-round picks, Khalil Mack and um, Kyle Fuller in a trade to the uh, to the Seahawks for Russell Wilson and um, oh my gosh, yeah, I remember that was cr- that was a crazy, <laughs> and was they a crazy and they declined it. So I was like, at that point, like you're just never gonna trade Russ. Like I I didn't think that they were gonna do it for picks because um Pete Carroll's old and uh, he doesn't have the time for a rebuild. I no, I don't think so. And uh, so I was absolutely shocked, but I was super excited because I saw the rust trade. I am, I'm one of the biggest Noah Fant fans. Um, I grew up in Iowa, so he went to college 45 minutes from me. And so I love Kittle, Hawk, Fant, um, all, all these guys from tight end university. And so I saw the trade and I was like, oh my gosh, my 70% Noah Fant, uh, per- <laughs> percentage in dynasty it's taken it's going to the moon and then like 
half an hour later, they're like, oh, by the way, no offense, no going to Seattle. Yeah. I was like, are you kidding me? It was hilarious because, like, like the trade, like it was a trade came out, and it was like Russell Wilson's going to Denver, and like five minutes later, it was like two twenty-two first-round picks. And like 10 minutes later, it was like, oh, Noah Fant and Drew Locker going to Seattle too. And it was like, dang it. I mean, I didn't have too many Noah Fant shares in Dynasty, but it was, uh-huh. it was, I, I can imagine how heartbreaking that was because it is such, now it's such a different story. Yeah. Well, because if you put Noah Fant with Russell Wilson, he's, he's right up there with, with Hawk in, in terms of value. I oh, think yeah. he's right at that, in that Goddard tier. Yeah, he's right there, borderline top five. Tenet. Yeah, and and so I was super excited, but now he's just fallen down my ranks. As much as I love him, um, yeah, I don't think I have him as a tight end one right now. Yeah, I don't and, have him as a top twelve guy, and it's understandable so because have, yeah. first of all, that Seattle system doesn't use tight ends well. Second of all, they just signed Will Disley to a three year, eight million dollars a year contract, and third of all, Drew Locke is his suspected quarterback right now. And even if they bring in Baker, um, which I really hope they do, um, but he he doesn't use the tight end either. Like um, The Browns were a pretty tight end heavy system, but I, yeah, I don't know. They, I don't know how Baker they, would not move the needle for a fan. Right, right. And so it just um, – so not a rookie. Yeah, not like like if let's say like the Seattle Seahawks traded up to number two overall and got Malik Willis. Um, what would you do then? So that... I do not have any quarterbacks in this draft graded as a first round talent. Um, really? Yeah i I think this this QB class is going to have a lot of people that are going to get two years in the NFL and flop. And um, so, so I, and that may be a hot take, but this- yeah, I, I don't see this quarterback class, especially either. I like, cause the thing is, if you take teams that need a quarterback aside, like if you take those kind of teams out, there's no way a quarterback goes in the top 15 in this draft. There's no chance. Right. So, yeah. I, I agree with you that this quarterback class is weaker, but I, I like Will said like Pickett. I like those two guys. Yeah, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. But to me, Willis is just a, a, a worse version of Jalen Hurts. And right now, Jalen Hurts is struggling to to keep his job in the NFL. So if Malik Wilson has worse statistics in a worse division in football, how does that stack up and, and how is that going to translate to the NFL. So a lot of people are on this. Willis is the truth, you know, super flex one-on-one draft pick. And I just can't do it. I, I don't trust him more than I trust Hertz. And, um, and I just, I, I think Hertz is a little better. And so um, I'm not, I'm not super sold on any of the quarterbacks. So um, I would love for them to bridge lock for a year. And go grab Bryce Young or somebody like that. Yeah, that'd be fair. Um, And and that may be what they do. Um, But yeah, I just I don't know that any of the quarterbacks are going to be astronomically better than Locke. I think their best move is to either wait a year or go and grab Baker. Um, But either or, fans just going to have to sit down on on draft boards because he is. A great talent, but his situation 
has just ruined him. So what about the Denver weapons? How how are we feeling about the guys that didn't get oh. shafted in the trade? This is, yeah, this is interesting. I mean, there's a huge debate right now, you know, on Twitter, everywhere. Quentin Sutton versus Jerry Judy. I mean, the answer is both. I love both. I love both. I think both are going to be great. For a redraft right now, I think I have Judy just outside my top 24 and Sutton inside my top 20. So I'd rather have Sutton by a decent margin. I think, you know, he's he's proved it before. He's done it before. Mm-hmm. And I'd rather have him. But both these guys are going to be definitely great weapons. And especially with Fant leaving, like they're just another target that's now gone. I think Tim Patrick's going to be a great sleeper as well. Absolutely. He's a really, really, he's a really, really great deep threat. And we know Russell Wilson has an amazing deep arm. He's one of the best deep balls in the NFL, and Tim Patrick's definitely going to benefit from that that as well as Cortland Sutton. So I really like this Denver offense, the way it's shaping. And if Melvin Gordon were to leave, which honestly, like, there is potential that he comes back, but I feel like the only reason the Broncos kept Melvin Gordon this year was to save Javante Williams for the future, not put too much work on his legs. I mean, like, the future is now. Like, they sent two first-round picks, two second-round picks, I believe, right, to go get Russell Wilson. I mean, this is their future. They are going to win a Super Bowl, and clearly watching both on the field, you can clearly tell Javante is the better back, and him unleashed would be a ridiculous piece of this offense. So I think Melvin Gordon to Denver is starting to – those chances are starting to fade. I think Javante Williams is soon going to be the only relevant back in this Denver offense, and it's going to be, like – RB1 overall is the ceiling for him. It's, yeah. That is this that is a realistic outcome for him. Absolutely. Javante um is an absolute stud. He uh if he gets the 300 touch uh workhorse role kind of like Najee uh took on last year, um he would outperform Najee in that role. And so I do think that that Russ being there is good for all these guys. I am in Camp Judy. Um, I get it. Yeah, they're they're close. I get it. And yeah, I, get I just Judy's upside, but I'd rather bet on the guy who's done it before. But I yeah, I get it. Judy is great. Yeah, and and the Cortland Sutton, his comparables, his air yards, his um, a lot of his comparables were really good last year. He just didn't have a quarterback that was throwing the ball to him and so it's tough to produce when you're not getting the ball and and so uh russ is going to um give the ball and russ is going to cook um he wasn't allowed to do that in seattle and when they gave him the opportunity and he was doing it well they fired the offensive coordinator (laughs) um it it wasn't last year it was two years ago um yeah but yeah he was on a roll, he was, you know, finally going to get his MVP, all this stuff. And then they fired the offensive coordinator and started running it 32 times a game. And so I think this is going to be Russ's chance to, uh, to really show um, that he is this incredible QB that can, that can, you know, put up this 5,000 yard season, uh, 30 yeah, touchdowns. Can- this yeah. is real chance because Seattle wanted to use him as like a manager type of quarterback, a game manager. Uh-huh. And a lot of these coaches are from Green Bay. And we know Green Bay, what their their game plan was. Aaron Rodgers, do something for us. <laughs> yeah. Like, like Russ is going to be able to cook in this offense. And it's going to be passive the offense, but 
I, I it that might worry some people about Javante Williams not getting the volume. Don't worry about it at all. He's going to be fine if he's the workhorse back. It doesn't matter. Pittsburgh was one of like it surprised me to see this, but over the past few years, like with Lev Bell, with Najee Harris, like they were some of the, they were one of the top uh, top teams in pass temps. Yeah, and we still saw Lev Bell like put up top five seasons. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if as long as the running back is getting all the touches, like they're going to be fine. Right. Um, so I have a question for you. Who is the best team in the AFC West? Oh, uh, that's a great question. Um, with Harry Kill trades to Miami, it there's a realistic chance the Chiefs finish fourth in their division. And I'm not saying they're going to be bad. I think they could still absolutely be a plus 500 team. But I, I see the Chiefs as potentially the worst team in this division. I'd bet on the I'd bet on the Broncos. <laughs> I'd bet on the Broncos to win this division. I think Russell Wilson and this team are going to get it done. And I think they're going to be, I think they're going to do enough to win, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Chargers didn't either. I think they'll be in very strong contention. Like, I mean, they, they, they've made some unbelievable moves with Khalil Mack and JC Jackson. Like they're going to be very, very close to the Broncos there. So I think those two are going to be the real competitors in this division. And depending on what the Raiders do in the second half, because usually they fall apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it'll be the chiefs and the Raiders competing for third place. Yeah, it could be interesting, though. This could be the year where we see all four teams from one division make the playoffs. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah finish 500 and make the playoffs. Because yeah. now, now with the the, uh, the added two teams to the playoffs, like uh-huh. if all you're four. going 500, it's likely that you make the very likely that you make the playoffs. So we could yep. definitely see all four of these teams make the playoffs and all four of the NFC East teams miss the playoffs. <laughs> I, I don't think that's possible, but all four. Oh, yeah, cause, the oh yeah, no, because they're <laughs> one winner. I'm stupid. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they would. Whatever, yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> all right. Wow, I can't Speaking, believe speaking oh. of the Raiders, they uh, added somebody that's, I guess, pretty good at football, right? So, so. <laughs> yeah, the Raiders went and got Devontae Adams. Derek Carr and Devonta Adams played college ball together. They had a, a very good rapport, and um, the Packers offered Devonta Adams more money than the Raiders did, and he chose the Raiders. So I think Diva Aaron Rodgers may have gotten to be too much. I'll never know the full story on it, but um, fantasy implications for Devonta Adams. Adams definitely gets a slight downgrade here because, I mean, he's going to a worse quarterback in Derek Carr with more weapons surrounding him, competing with him for volume on the Raiders with Derek Waller and Hunter Renfro. This is definitely absolutely a downgrade. However, I don't – like, he's the number one receiver in this offense. This is going to be a very productive offense where there's going to be a lot of touchdowns scored. Devontae Adams is still a locked-in top 10 wide receiver. Right now, I think I currently have him in redraft at wide receiver six or seven. So definitely a bit of a downgrade. I just don't see him being the alpha that he was in uh, Green Bay. Like yeah. that, that's it. He's just going to lose some volume, but he'll still be fine. Yeah, he's absolutely um, incredibly talented, and he's still going to get some volume. But that downgrade to Derek Carr um, and having actually having another weapon on the team – Another two weapons. Two Still weapons. Hunter Renfro. Um, will definitely impact his target share percentage. And so yeah. um 
I agree that he gets a slight downgrade, but don't downgrade him outside of your top 12 wide receivers. He's going to be a top 12 wide receiver. He's one of, if not the best wide receiver in the game. And so, yeah, he is. He, I think he's the best wide out in the game. And like, if, (laughs) because I see Devontae Adams potentially being drafted in the second round, which is, which I think he's probably drafted in the second round. Like, you can start a draft with, like, Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase in the first round, Javante Adams right after. That's crazy. Yeah, That's absolutely. Crazy. But, yeah. but, yeah, Adams, I think, because I feel like people are going to be really scared with Waller and Renfro. I'm not too scared. I mean, you this is just an offense now that you're just going to want a piece of. Like, this is just going to be the Bengals offense, kind of. Like, there's a lot of weapons, a lot of pieces, uh, mouths to feed, but everyone's good for fantasy because it's an amazing offense. I mean, or the the Buccaneers and with Tom Brady. I mean, they were they had four pass catchers on the team that were good for fantasy with Antonio Brown, Chris Gowan, Mike Evans, and Gronk, Rob Gronkowski, along with Leonard Fournette coming out of the backfield. Like, and Tom Brady himself was amazing for fantasy. It two mouths to feed, too many mouths to feed thing is kind of an illusion. I feel like it is. I feel like it really is. If the if they're in a good enough offense with enough volume, all of them are going to be good for fantasy. Is Derek Carr a top 12 quarterback this season? I have him at quarterback eight. For okay. Ranger. Yeah, I'm, okay. I'm, I post, I put out a tweet that said Derek Carr will be a top 10 quarterback in 2022. Book it. And some people said, this isn't a hot take. What are you doing? And some people came at me <laughs> saying, like, I was an idiot. Yeah. And I just, like, if you're out there and you don't think Derek Carr is a top 10 quarterback for fantasy next year, I want, I genuinely want to hear an explanation as of why. I mean, he's finished as quarterback 12, quarterback 13 the past two seasons without Devontae Adams. And the season prior, without Hunter Renfro, this year, a lot of time without Darren Waller. Now he has all three together in the same offense. Josh Jacobs is kind of entering his prime at 24 years old. And it's just going to, this offense is going to be ridiculous. And Derek Carr, he's been a guy that really for fantasy, his main weakness has been touchdowns. I don't think he's ever thrown 30 touchdowns in his entire career as a quarterback with Devontae Adams being an elite red zone threat, like Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers, I think they've connected for over 60 touchdowns since 2016. Mm -hmm. And that easily leads the league in terms of duos. Like Devontae Adams is a red zone monster and he's going to be a huge part of the red zone. And that's really going to help cars touchdown totals. And car could easily throw 36 touchdowns this year, 40. Like he's always had the yardage. He just hasn't had the touchdowns to go with it. And now with Adams, they are, He's going to put it all together, and a top five finisher for fantasy is not something I see out of the out of the picture. Yeah, I mean, we were week four of this season. We were talking about Derek Carr as an yeah. MVP candidate. Yeah, and, and you now know, we're apart in the second half, which worries me honestly because Derek Carr just never gets it right in the second half. But I think with Adams, he'll be able to put it together. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's move on to Robert Woods to Tennessee. Um, how do you feel about that? Yeah, this is one I'm not as excited about. I mean, this is one I'm just not really feeling good about. I feel like Robert Woods is just I'm I mean, I loved Robert Woods. I loved how much val- how much value we're getting from him in drafts. He was kind of like the Brandon Cooks for a while. You know, he was just such a great value. I just I don't see it like AJ Brown struggles to be a good wide receiver and he's the clear number one. There's just not because they just run the ball too much. They they run the ball too much. They want to commit to the run. And as a result, there's not enough passing volume to make 
that many guys really relevant for fantasy. Yeah. It's just not. So AJ Brown is still fine. I see him as a lower end wide receiver one. Robert Woods, wide receiver, a wide receiver three for next year. Like, I mean, he's coming off an ACL at I think he's 30 now or 29 years old. Yeah. Like that's just not an age you really want to see an ACL tear. I'm just I'm kind of done with Woods. I'll be taking shots at like rookie wide receivers or young uh, potential breakouts rather than draft Woods. I mean, it's it's interesting. I Woods is Woods is difficult for me to rank right now because the Titans obviously are wanting to add that second wide receiver guy. I mean, they went and spent a second round pick on Julio Jones last season. It didn't work out well. They are trying the same thing again with Robert Woods, hoping that maybe he stays healthier. Um, But um, I think that Tannehill, given another receiving option, could could really see some good value from this um, because, I mean, last season, A.J. Brown was hurt for seven or eight games, something like that, and so he was throwing... Can you even name the wide receivers uh, Nick, he was throwing to? Like Nick Westbrook, Kine, yeah. Anthony Berkser, uh, yeah, right. Yeah, Just it name a, name a quarterback that would thrive throwing to those guys. Yeah, and he still finished. Like I mean, he Ryan was a, Panahill was he was a QB one last season. I think he was quarterback thirteen. I thought it was twelve. I think he was quarterback twelve. It depends on the scoring systems you're in. Yeah, yeah, he was he was still good, and. Uh-huh. It's just really, really, it's just really, really weird because I I was all in on Ryan Tannehill this past season. I was all in. I thought he was going to be great, and I thought he was super undervalued, and he burnt me. Like, yeah. he really did. Like, act, I mean, because the thing is, he was good enough to start. Like, he was good enough to start, but he was bad enough to the point where you were disappointed because he was scoring, like, 16 points every week. And I was like, come on. just he'll, I mean, I can't really cut him at this point. Like, he'll maybe he'll get better. And next week it's like 12 points. I'm like, <laughs> come on. And like, it was just so frustrating every single week to do that debate in my head. Cause at some points I was considering streaming Taylor Heineke over Ryan Tannehill. And I just yep. couldn't get myself to do it. I really couldn't. So Tannehill, I think he could become a value in drafts. Cause I feel like people like me were burnt this year. Cause after, especially after his first couple of seasons in the league finishing, you know, he was quarterback two down the stretch when he took over for Mariota. He was a top 10 quarterback this uh, the season prior to this past season. And this year comes out and he just puts up a very frustrating, disappointing season in where this Tennessee offense was really, really gross all season long. I have no idea how they went 11-5. Uh, that's <laughs> a story for another day. But I think he's going to be outside the top 12 in ADP. And I think I'll be looking for him because as long as AJ Brown's healthy, Ryan Tannehill is absolutely a top 12 quarterback. Yeah, and I, I, think, I think Woods could even push him up. Um, higher, you know, yeah, there's, can- there's a world where Ryan Tannehill with you know three receiving options with um Austin Hooper in town now, too. Um, there's a world where Ryan Tannehill may finish above Derek Carr, and you're gonna have to deal with that. Are you ready for that? I don't think I can say that yet because what worries me about Tannehill, uh, is that like we've just seen him over his career, like he was putting up ridiculous efficiency numbers with uh, that those first year or two. And it just has gotten slightly worse and worse 
over the last few seasons of his career. And this was like a really weird breakout we saw from him. I mean, he wasn't amazing in Miami. Like he wasn't really that guy. And I don't know. I feel like this is just a really, I feel like this breakout could have really been a fluke. And I'm worried about that for his fantasy value. So I'm, I'm really torn on Tannehill right now. Yeah. I just can't can't find myself to put him in the top 15. I don't know why I just can't do it, but I see the upside for him to finish as a top 10 quarterback with Robert Woods and AJ Brown. Yeah. He's definitely tough to rank, but let's, let's go to another guy who's, uh, who I'm not sure has hit a wall or he's still like a good quarterback, Matt Ryan to the Colts. Do you feel like we are going to see big Ben like uh fall off here? Or do you think that Matt Ryan still has it in him? I don't think we see a big Ben fall off, but I don't think we see a top 10 quarterback finish from Matt Ryan in 2022. I think he, if you know if you want a higher end quarterback too, he could absolutely deliver that. I think he, there are top fifteen finishes in his range of outcomes because this is a much better situation. I mean, this offensive line is significantly better. Like it was, I felt so bad for Tannehill. Last, I mean, for I mean, not for Tannehill. Ryan. For uh, I mean, you know, I felt bad for Tannehill too. But for Matt Ryan last year, like every play he was getting chased out and just smashed by defensive linemen. Every single play, it was just awful. This Colts offensive line is not going to let that happen. Like that, that's not happening. And now he gets, I don't know if I could say a better receiving core though, because Kyle Pitts and Russell Gage are actually solid. And the Colts haven't really added a number two receiver. Yeah, I would say it's a worse re- receiving core. Worse even, even I if love you take him, I think he's great, but I Ridley think out of the equation, if you take Ridley out of the equation, I still think that the Falcons last year had a better receiving core than the Colts do, right? Yeah, I I, I completely agree with you. But I, I love Pittman, but I agree with you. But yeah, I really like I, I like this move for Matt Ryan. I think that, you know, this is a place where he can compete. And I feel like if the the sorry, the the Colts were to add a second receiver to this team, I mean they have a bigger body in Pittman. Why not add a speedy, quicker receiver like Chris Olave? I was talking about him with the Eagles earlier, but I would really, really love to see Chris Olave as a uh, Colt for, for Matt Ryan's fantasy value and just for this offense's value. I feel like that would be a much better offense. And Matt Ryan here, I mean, we, we're not really talking about it. He's a much better run game. I mean, the run game, it was it was non-existent. Oh it was non-existent in Atlanta. Now he has arguably the best running back in the entire NFL to hand the ball to and throw the ball to because, you know, John Taylor proved that he catch passes. I think he caught just over 40 passes last season. I may be wrong on that, but I think he just caught just over 40 passes. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I mean, this is definitely an upgrade for Matt Ryan's fantasy value. For Michael Pittman, it's an upgrade. For Jonathan Taylor, it's an upgrade. And I just see this offense being a lot, lot better, especially if they were at a second receiver. Yeah, absolutely. They need to add another guy in that offense that... Um, I was really hoping be- they'd go after DJ Shark. I really wanted to see Shark in... in yeah. I feel like that'd be interesting, but yeah, I, I would love to see them grab um, Jamison Williams in the first round. I think he would be a great be nice. scheme fit and, and Ryan would do well with him. All right, let's grab this last trade here before we depart Tyreek to Miami, man. I, there was no whispers of Tyreek, you know, seeking a trade or anything. And then one morning I, you know, you just see it and it's like, oh, Tyreek's probably not going to be a 
chief by the end of the day. You're just like, what do you mean? And then a couple hours later, he was a dolphin. And it's just been a crazy free agency period. So how do you feel that this impacts Jalen Waddell? And where is Tyreek in relation to Devonta Adams, who has also moved a stud wide receiver who has also moved this offseason. Talking fantasy value, right? Correct. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll start with that question. I mean, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, I think I'd still rather have Adams. I'm really not a big fan of this move for Tyreek Hill for fantasy purposes. I mean, I, like Waddle was my, wide for redraft purposes, he was my wide receiver six heading into the next season. I mean, I don't, sorry, I am I know I keep re- uh, referencing my redraft rankings on Dynasty your Podcast, <laughs> but uh, I don't do Dynasty rankings, so I don't have, like, those officially like, on yeah. me. I don't do them, but uh, I, the redraft rankings do help give a little bit of a reference, I think. But Waddle, for Dynasty, I think after Jamar Chase and Jarvis, Justin Jefferson, I think Waddle has a very strong argument for number three before the Tyreek move. Now, after, it definitely kills him a little bit. But I honestly don't see Waddle getting too hurt by this. I mean, Tua and him developed a great connection in his first season. And Waddle showed that he can be a true number one wide receiver. I mean, he just broke the rookie reception record for like of all time. Like he just broke that record. Like he's a guy that can absolutely be a number one receiver. And I, I don't know how you feel about Tua Tagovailoa, but I'm a believer in him. And I think he takes a step forward this season. I think this offense is just going to be so explosive so many, like just so many. I feel like this is going to be a really good offense with a lot of explosive plays. And I feel like Waddle and Hill are both going to be big parts of it. But Hill and Dynasty is someone you must sell right now. I mean, he's a 20 year wide receiver. And you may think, oh, he's probably got like four years left, right? I mean, Miami signed him to a four year deal. It's not right. No, it's wrong. Tyreek Hill isn't, I mean, he's not only reliant on his speed, but the biggest part of his game is his speed. And speed like his, does not go into your 30s. Like, it just doesn't happen. You don't hold that speed very long. And, you you know, you see guys like, I mean, Keenan Allen's probably going to go into his 30s a little bit. Allen Robinson, a guy like that, probably going to go into his 30s a little bit. Tyreek Hill, no. He's not going to be a guy that plays into his 30s. And I feel like people are going to not see that. And I'd be selling the bag for him right now, if you can. Yeah, speed is typically the first thing you see go um when a wide receiver starts to depreciate and that's that's one of the biggest elements of Tyreek's game so I absolutely agree that Tyreek is a seller right now and I do not have Tyreek in my top 12 dynasty rankings anymore um with with the new destination um I moved both him and Waddle down Waddle is still in my top 12 but Tyreek Hill is is not in my top 12 and and guys like DJ Moore and Chris Godwin I'm happy to take over Tyree Kill. Um I th- think they're super consistent guys. Um Chris Godwin and points per game over the last 3 seasons. Chris Godwin I'll take. DJ Moore is a tougher one though. Yeah. Um Yeah, it's just to me I I don't think that Hill's going to get this insane target share. I don't know that t- two is going to hit him near as much as, as, um, as Mahomes did. And, and maybe there's a world where um, he gets used a little like Debo Samuel and 
and maybe um, that helps his stock, but I can't project that right now. And so he's just, he's sitting right outside. I think he's my wide receiver 14 right now, but he just, yeah. he lost some good stock and, um, and he may not be the, the alpha on his offense. Like Waddle may have a higher target share and, and you, you really might. Yeah. And so that's just dangerous for him. So I would definitely be selling him as well. Yeah. It's high reek. I just, yeah, Tyreek, I completely agree. I don't know if I'd rather – I don't know if there are less than 12 wide receivers I'd rather have than Tyreek Hill right now in Dynasty. And redraft, I have him ranked as my wide receiver 10. Waddle's close behind at wide receiver 13 in Dynasty right now. I mean, not in Dynasty. In redraft. redraft, yeah. So they are close for me in redraft. In Dynasty, I'd absolutely rather have Waddle. I mean, it's See, not even close. It, so, in, like, in PPR, I think in redraft, I'll take Waddle over Tyreek. I, because I think he's it's going to. It's really close, and honestly, <laughs> I, I might, I might do it. I might really do it, especially based on the where the value is going to be. And Dynasty right now, Waddle is such a good buy. Oh yeah, absolutely. Such a good buy. Like I have an offer sitting out there for someone right now. It didn't get accepted yet, but I do have Waddle. I, I'm taking Waddle, and I'm giving him the this person the super flex rookie pick one dot eight, and they told me. I'm really leaning towards taking this trade, but I really want to think on it. Like that is where we're at with that's Waddle. Nice. I mean, like, but like before this, I've seen Waddle go for two firsts, mm-hmm. 2022 first. Like Waddle was a very expensive pick, yeah. but now he is just plummeted in value. I mean, one auto eight, like, I mean, I love Chris Olave, but that's mainly, that's around where Chris Olave is going. Uh-huh. That's kind of where Jamison Williams is at. Well, but if you night. if you look at it, that's that's where Waddle went last year. Like yeah. that was his average, and so maybe people are just like, "Well, now that Hill's there, I can just get Waddle 2.0 next year." Yeah, and I just talked about it. Like Hill's not gonna last very long. Like Hill's only got a couple of years left in the NFL as a prime wide receiver. Yeah. So it's like it's only a couple of years they have to deal with Waddle dealing with Tyreek Hill, and then the after that, it's back open up again for a bottle to be the number one. Yeah. It's, so it, uh, it's really weird right now. This offseason has changed so many values, but it, it, it makes Dynasty that much more fun because – Yeah, it makes it so much fun. Yeah. Um, all right. We're going to wrap it up here, but Brownie, where can we find you? You all can go uh, – <laughs> you can all can go follow me on Twitter at TYFMNFL. And just go check out the Young Fantasy Mind Football Podcast, pretty much anywhere podcasts can be found. I create shorts, like short videos for uh, football guys. I do write for DLF. And, but yeah, that's pretty much where y'all can find me. And you can find every single link to everything I do on my Twitter page. Awesome. Well, we, I am very grateful that you came on the show and had a lot of fun talking a lot of free agency with you. Yeah, it was awesome, uh, Zach. I really, really do appreciate you having me on, man. It was fun. All right.